Good morning. Welcome to Rehope Online Church in your living room, wherever you are today. If this is your first time streaming a Rehope service live, then welcome. Hi, my name's Laura. I am the lead pastor here at Rehope West End. It's nice to meet you. I hope to someday meet you in person as well. This is not how I thought I would be teaching this message. Uh, this is actually not how I thought I would ever be teaching any message. Um, something I would love to just give you full permission to do for like just 30 seconds wherever you are right now is just grab your phone, take a quick like sermon watching selfie, send those through to me. I am, I am needy for social interaction right now and I would love to see your lovely faces. We miss having you here. It's, 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 it's awesome, but it's not the same. We miss having you here for sure. Church. What an incredibly strange week and a half we have had. I don't know about you, but my experience of, of the last little bit, just with regards to coronavirus and its spread, it's felt like, for me, it's felt like it's gone from zero to 100 almost overnight. And something that felt, in many ways, like remote and distant from me and not super relevant to my life, all of a sudden was like so relevant and all over the news and the topic of every conversation and something I was thinking about all the time and it's all over my news feed and it was the thing in the morning that when I'm waking up right now it's a couple of minutes in before I remember but then I remember and I'm like is this real like is, is this really what life now looks like for us people are going to ask us someday where were you when the coronavirus happened our lives have been interrupted as we know it, and uh, people are saying that this is the biggest disruption to our lives since World War II. It's revealing something about the state of our hearts, about the state of the human heart, because right now, uh, I'm sure you can feel it, fear and anxiety are high and ever self-perpetuating. When Ebola raged in West Africa, the media coined a term fear Ebola to describe the kind of paranoia that infected other countries across the world. And psychologists claim that new threats, uh, new fears are actually so much more anxiety inducing than familiar fears, which we actually sleepily underreact to. So it means that something like COVID-19 with all of its newness and strangeness, it's jolting and it feels like a nightmare. In an uncannily prophetic moment, Mark Sayers in his book, Reappearing Church, this was one of the first books I read this year, and in the second chapter, he's, he's, the book is all about reawakening, and he, he writes in his second chapter, he's sort of listing out hypothetical disasters that could hit our world and how it would rock us, and he wrote, if we endured a global flu pandemic, like the one in the early part of the 20th century, how we view and process our personal potentials and possibilities would be deeply shaken. We are feeling deeply shaken. We've become all too aware, all too sudden that we're not in control, that we're not invincible, that our personal potentials are maybe not what we thought that they were in and of ourselves. And we're forced to consider, what do I believe? Do I have a distant theology? Do I have some distant hopes of, of God? Or do I believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that he's my friend, that he's my savior, that he's my ever-present help in times of trouble like this? John Tyson is a pastor in America, and he said to his church via live stream last Sunday, he asked him the question, is our faith scaffolding or substance? And I wonder, is our faith, is it like scaffolding? Is it like something kind of propping us up that could be taken away, or is it at the very core and center of who we are? Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Anchors hold boats secure whether the water is calm or whether the water is stormy and with everything else in our lives maybe that we would have put our hope in when it's stripped away we are asking ourselves do I have hope do I have anchor 
that is firm and secure even with what life is like right now. This is the last message of our reawakening series, and we planned this months ago. We mapped these messages out, and we planned for the topic today to be living courageously, not because we knew what was coming, but because in any time of reawakening, historically and in, in the story of the Bible, God's people have been required to be very courageous. I never dreamt I'd be talking to you about courage in this current climate of fear, and especially when I think about the very real fear I have wrestled with this week myself, but it seems uncannily timely and it makes me think like God's not surprised God's not been caught unawares in the way that I have and in the midst of this very challenging time that we're in I think there's a call more than ever for us to live courageously but what does it mean what does it mean for us to have courage today when I think about something like courage, when I think of an abstract term, it helps me to kind of paint a picture in my mind of what I think that looks like. And when I was thinking about courage this week, what I imagine is I imagine a little junior camper at Echo Lake Bible Camp, maybe only six or seven years old, staring up at the magnitude of the climbing wall. And they want to climb it, but like they're rightfully scared because it is tall and they're scared of heights. But they look up and they see the like coveted rubber chicken toy at the very top. And they know that if they can just get to the top and they can squeeze that rubber chicken, then glory awaits them. And so they like with trembling hands, they pull up their little harness and they allow their leader to secure it. And they walk tentatively towards the wall. They reach out for a hold and they turn around to their leader and say, you know, can I go? And then bit by bit, like monologuing the whole way up about how scared they are, they go like leg to foot, like leg to hand to leg to hand, and they, they push themselves slowly up the wall. And every so often they grab a hold that's a little bit shaky and a little bit less secure, and they panic maybe just a little, but with a bit of persuasion from the leader who's on the ground, they keep going until with equal parts terror and elation, they reach out and they grab and they squeeze that rubber chicken at the top to rapturous applause. Now, when I was a leader at Bible camp, I learned really quickly that when you've got a little scared junior camper in front of you who wants to climb that climbing wall, it's much less, uh, whether they get to the top or not, it's much less to do with their ability or their bravery in that moment and much more to do with how uh, when you're belaying them with every pull of the rope and every lockdown, you do like a little jump and you just pull a little bit harder and you use a little bit of your own strength to like slowly but surely, securely pull them up the wall and they don't even realize that you're doing it. And it strikes me today that courage isn't cowardice. It wouldn't keep us off the wall. And it's not recklessness. It wouldn't make us run at the wall with no harness on. But it's correct action towards a higher goal in spite of very real felt fear, knowing that we're held and we're helped. So today, if you feel fear, if you feel sadness, if you feel anger, I would say don't, don't push your feelings down or don't push them back, but we have an opportunity to start as we are today, to live courageously from wherever our starting point is and in that to embody an alternative response to everything that's going on around us. What does that look like? I'm going to look in Hebrews chapter 11 and I'm going to look in Acts chapter 4 today. I would say if you've got a Bible around you, now is a good time to grab it, but we're going to put it on the screen as well, so don't worry, you can just follow along. I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 11 first. It says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. 
By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of, with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, because she considered him faithful who'd made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. In my Bible, this wee section is called Faith in Action. And I find that helpful because right now, Christians all over the world, ourselves included, are saying things like, let's respond to this with faith, not fear. Faith over fear. More faith, less fear. And you know, you're like, okay, cool, but like, what is that? <laughs> you know, like, what, what is faith? And when we look at this passage, we see that faith isn't uh, like an attitude adjustment, but it's uh, lived out in the courageous choices of imperfect people as they seek to follow God. And the first thing that I saw in this little passage this week was that living courageously for us means taking God at his word when we face a not yet seen future. We see that in Noah, who when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark. God speaks to Noah and he begins to build a boat in the desert before there is a drop of rain. He takes God at his word and begins to build as if he knows God to be trustworthy. And we face, right now, we face a not yet seen future. And I wonder if um, God has spoken in the past and God is speaking to us right now. And if we're willing to take him at his word, even when we face a future that we can't pin down quite as well as we maybe could 10 days, two weeks, three weeks ago. Right now, the future feels unsure for people and fear is paramount. And that's not surprising because fear is one of our five basic emotions for survival. And we were made to feel it when there's danger, but we don't have to be afraid of the future and we don't have to be ruled by our fear. Noah is warned about a potentially terrifying future when floodwaters would come. And yet we see in this passage that he responds with holy fear. He fears God alone. And living courageously in this moment will require us to approach God with a holy fear, but not an unholy panic as we look at everything that's happening around us. How does Noah do this? Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 tells us that in a time when the world was corrupt and filled with violence, Noah alone walked faithfully with God. Our ability to live courageously in this time is going to come out of a place of abiding with Jesus, of living with him, of walking faithfully with him even in this time. And that will enable us to live our lives in response to God and not in feverish reaction to everything that's going on around us. Living courageously means obedience in the midst of the unknown. We see this in Abraham who, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. For him it looked like walking into the unknown before the fulfillment of what was to come. It looked like trusting before the clarity in Genesis chapter 12, we can read the full story of God calling Abram at that point, and he said, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And we see in that that Abraham is not called to blindly obey and like step over a cliff edge, but he's called to trust that he doesn't need to know where he's going because he's going with the God who knows the way to where he's taking him. And for Abraham, obedience wasn't like one-off willingness to step into the unknown, but it actually involved like setting up camp in the unknown, like making his home there. It says in Hebrews 11, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham made his home in a temporary dwelling, looking forward to the firm and unshakable future that God was building for him. And I wonder when life is comfortable and when we're able to make our own plans, 
Do we sometimes forget that we are tent dwellers too? Do we forget that this is our temporary home and maybe in this moment there is a sort of crazy chance to remember that actually in everything here, like God is telling us to like make our home here and settle here and live here and invest here, but he's also always calling us to look so much further ahead, to keep our eyes on the future that is firm for us, that is secure for us, that he's building us because of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross. Obedience for us as a church right now in the midst of everything that's going on means that we need to be willing to set up home in the unknown of this moment, of everything that's happening. We need to be willing to like set down our calendar, which was full, and all our plans and all our hopes and our dreams for 2020 and be willing to like open-handed hold them before God and say, okay, what would you have us do now? How would you have us continue to wholeheartedly lay the foundations for reawakening in, in the place that you've put us, even though like our plans are canceled? You know, what does obedience look like for you in this, in this moment? I wonder if it's maybe something similar where maybe you had your dreams and your hopes for 2020, you had your plans or you had your, your hopes for your life and now suddenly there's like a little bit of a, a blip here where we can't quite see, we can't quite imagine how things are gonna look on the other side of this and it feels shaky and it feels unfirm, but Maybe in this moment in the unknown and settling into the unknown, God is prompting you to obedience, to trust him. In Hebrews 11, we also see that living courageously means living as if the impossible is possible. And as I thought about that this week, I'm thinking about how I think in this moment, a, a lie from the enemy would be something along the lines of like, okay, you know that, that miracle you were waiting for? You know that thing that you uh, have been praying for for years and years and years, and you maybe feel like it's closer. You feel like God is going to answer your prayers. Or you feel like God's moving. And then suddenly this virus comes in and, you know, God's being thwarted. Like God can't do it anymore. Like your, your dream's done, your miracle's gone. That would be a lie, that's a lie. Because we see in this passage, Sarah considered him faithful who'd made the promise and she saw her miracle and it was something out of nothing. And that's what God is good at. Like God makes water come out of rocks. That's the kind of miracles that he performs in his word. And if he is still about the same sort of thing, then right now, and when, when everything's been stripped away, now is the time to watch for miracles because now there is a, an opportunity for God to bring things out of nothing for you. Do we actually believe that he can do miraculous things? Do we actually believe, therefore, that the, the Bible is true and what it says about God is, is true? Or have we maybe come to believe in like a watered-down God of our own making? Maybe this is a chance to expand our vision, to challenge the, the imagining of God that we have and that we've been living with because we're gonna face things that seem impossible and we wanna run at those things praying as if God will answer and move and we're gonna see miracles in this time. Okay, I'm gonna look at Acts 4 and I wanna just think about now, okay, if this is what living courageously might look like, what might happen if we do? What might happen if we live courageously? In Acts chapter four, Peter and John, two of the apostles, are preaching the gospel boldly. They're talking about Jesus uh, dying and then being raised to life three days later. And the Sadducees, a particular sect of Judaism that didn't believe in the resurrection, among others, opposed them strongly. And it says in Acts chapter four, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Now Peter and John had healed a man by the power of the Holy Spirit, and when interrogated about this, Peter said, rulers and elders of the people know this, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. 
Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Okay, now this bit. It says, when they, everyone who opposed them, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus and after further threats, they let them go. Then this bit. After this, Peter and John gathered with the believers again to pray and they pray, Lord, consider their threats and make it easier, take them all away. No, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Help us to keep going and be even more bold. I think if we live courageously in this moment, there's a chance that people might take note. We see in Acts 4 that people look at Peter and John and they're astonished and they recognized something. They recognized that those men had been with Jesus. And in this global pandemic, we are more aware than ever, maybe in our lifetime, that we are so human and we're so limited and we're not in control and we're not invincible. And yet we look at that story in Acts 4 and maybe we see that if we live uh, courageously out of our absolute humanness, out of uh, me as an ordinary, unskilled person, if I can live courageously because of the power of the Holy Spirit, then maybe people might take note Maybe people might see the presence of Jesus. The courage that people see in Peter and John is that they, even though they're facing extreme threats, they continue to run hard after the assignment that God has given them. This is not a time, if, if you feel like God has called you to something, if you feel like God has given you an assignment, if you feel like God um, has been leading you up to this point, this is not a time to press pause, but this is a time to keep going. And if, if you're unsure about what God's called you to, I was reminded this morning just of that bit in 1 Thessalonians where it says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's God's will for all of us. And if we continue to rejoice, if we continue to pray continually, if we can, if we can give thanks in this circumstance, then maybe that's the sort of courage that actually people are gonna take note. People are gonna see something of who Jesus is. Second thing that happens if we live courageously is that the church might shine. The church shines famous quote from A.W. Tozer uh, is that a scared world needs a fearless church. In this crazy unsettling moment, we have a chance to tell a radically different story. Peter and John's message unsettles the status quo, and yet many people believe and the church grows in number. This isn't a time for the church to stop. We believe that God has called us to lay the foundations for long-lasting reawakening. We believe that he is doing that here, that people are coming awake to God, they're coming alive in Jesus, and that actually he's not been interrupted by this. Church has historically thrived in times of intense challenge, and I don't think this will be any different. And our world has been uniquely united by a common threat, by something that is beyond our control. And People want hope and they want answers and we have hope and we have a story to tell. As everything that we normally plant our hope in is stripped away, we have an opportunity to point to Jesus and say he is, he is the only hope we have and to echo Peter and John and say salvation, hope, healing, is found in no one else. Finally, if we live courageously, the Holy Spirit is able to make us even more bold. I don't know about you, but I have felt a very real sense of fear this week. I've felt angry, I've felt sad, I've felt all of the things. And I don't know if I would have ever uh, said at some point this week, okay, yeah, I feel incredibly courageous. I feel fired up to live courageously. But when I read Acts 4 uh, the other day, I noticed how the apostles responded to the very real threats that they're facing by praying, make us bold. Make us do this with great boldness. 
Like, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm going to pray that God ends this. I'm going to pray that God stops the virus. I'm going to pray that God protects the vulnerable and helps our NHS workers. And I want to intercede more than ever. But also, I wonder if I dare begin by praying, God, make me bold, make me courageous. When they pray this prayer, um, it says they pray, enable us to speak with great boldness. And then the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. God immediately answered their prayers by sending the Holy Spirit and they're able to speak the word of God boldly. We don't need to hype ourselves to courage today. You don't need to find it somewhere deep in yourself and like bring it out because if you're anything like me, like I, I don't find it there. <laughs> But we see in this story that if we pray and we say, God, make us bold, like the Holy Spirit is able to make us bold. If you follow Jesus today, the Holy Spirit's in you and can make you bold and can make you courageous. And we need to not do this alone. Self-isolation and social distancing are the buzzwords of the moment, but more than ever, we need to do this in community. Maybe you're self-isolating right now. Maybe we, we don't know how long we're going to have to socially distance ourselves from other people before this virus and before what's going on is going to change. So more than ever, we need to fight to live courageously in community because fear makes us selfish. If you don't believe me, look up the article about the man in America who went out and bought 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer and then proceeded to sell them on for a profit. Fear makes us selfish, but there is a call for the church right now to be an Acts 4 kind of church. It says in Acts 4 verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy person among them. This is a time for us to be a spiritual family and not people who share a Sunday hobby. Maybe that's been something that's like the cry of your heart for so long. And maybe this is a moment where actually we get to do that. We get to be a spiritual family. I heard some, I was in some sort of conversation this week and I can't remember who it was. So I give you full credit if it was you, but someone asked the question, were we self-isolated? Had we already self-isolated before this happened? Like, had we already just got so used to, like, blazing through life in this highly individualistic culture where actually we, we have relationships and we have friendships, but when we have church, but really, like, everything, we're thinking about ourselves and we're, we're, we're out for ourselves and our focus is very much, like, on ourselves. Like, were we already isolated from each other in that way? If in this time, if nothing else, if we as a church learn to be like true spiritual family, I will count that as incredibly good fruit in this challenging time. It's more important than ever that we continue to meet together online, whatever it's going to look like. If you're part of a Bible read-through, that you um, Zoom, WhatsApp, call, like I would say more often, like meet more often, pray for each other, ask difficult questions, listen to each other well, don't skirt around the surface of what's going on for people right now, but do whatever it takes to connect meaningfully in this time. Now, maybe this morning uh, you feel fired up. Maybe you're one of those people who like something like this happens and you're just like, I was built for this, you know, like I'm ready for this. Like I feel like I am on fire to see God. I want to see God move. I believe there's going to be revival. I, I think there's so much hope in this, even in this dark time. Maybe you feel so fired up to live courageously or maybe, maybe you're maybe more on the other side where actually you're like, you know what? I, I just like, I'm grieving this thing that I've had to cancel or I'm just so worried about this relative, this vulnerable relative who I actually know I can't even visit or, you know, like. Whatever your situation may be, maybe courage just feels like a long shot. And I want to finish today by saying that that's okay. That's okay. If you feel fired up, incredible, like we need you. 
We need your encouragement. If you don't feel fired up, if you feel sad, if you feel hurt, if you feel scared, like that is okay. You can start there too. Our starting point and our end point in all of this will always be that in Jesus we have a story of, of God in the greatest act of courage of all time, doing all that ever needed to be done for you. So you don't need to do anything today. Like it's been done for you on the cross in the greatest act of courage. And Jesus, when he was on the earth, he said to his friends, he said this, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives, thank goodness. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's my prayer for you today, no matter where you're starting from, no matter how you're feeling, is that you would know the peace of God, that you'd know the, the peace that Jesus promises to give us. I have some challenges for us though. If you're up for a challenge, I have some challenges to give you, so bear with me. I also have an extra fourth one that won't be on the screen. Um, my first challenge is, okay, it's the end of our reawakening series, but like it's only the beginning. It's, it begins here. So if you uh, have a little bit of extra time on your hands, you want to listen to a bit more online content, um, our senior pastor, Brian Ingraham, has made a podcast. It's called Reawakening. If you just search for that on like anywhere you'd find podcasts normally, you'll find it. I would encourage you to listen that particularly if you're like, I want to hear God speak in this time. I know I want to hear God speak. Listen to the most recent episode, which is on listening to God. Listen to that and ask God, okay, what are my next steps? My second challenge to you is, we're going to repeat ourselves so much, but I am not apologizing for it. <laughs> we're going to say, join a Bible read-through or do, and or do something radical to love your read-through this week. Like, go out of your way to do something. I don't know, like, leave, leave something on someone's doorstep or, you know, phone someone and ask them a I don't know, start a good conversation or just do something radical to love your Bible read through this week or join one if you're not part of one already. Third challenge, start the day. Now, I needed a start the day challenge because I don't know about you, but right now I'm like waking up in the morning and I'm like, okay, let me go back to my newsfeed, which is entirely to do with this virus and it's just overwhelming from the very beginning of the day. But my challenge would be for, for me and for you is to start the day praying, God, make me courageous. What would you have me do today? And then finally, my, my little challenge that you won't have on your screen at home is just, if you want to help, uh, I've had lots of messages from people this week who just are so, you're so enthusiastic, you're so keen to help people in our community. If you want to help, if you have creative ideas about what we can do as a church in this time, I would love to hear all of your ideas. Um, we're going to be thinking about these things as we move forward. So email laura at rehope.co.uk if you've got creative thoughts, if you've got creative ideas, if you've got the selfie of you guys watching the sermon, it can all go there. But email me, I'd love to hear your thoughts as we move forward.